0: Everybody and welcome to more of a comment than a question my name is paul connor and with me is my esteemed co-host smriti metta how are you today smriti
1: i'm mean, doing well um, paul you say my name with so much force it's <laughs> like you're putting so much effort into saying it, which is <laughs>
0: yeah, it well to be honest i am putting quite a lot of effort
1: <laughs> you into are saying yeah it. it's i have like i had friends who would like be speaking a sentence and they would take a pause and then say like you know <laughs> compose themselves and then say my name yeah um it's an so ordeal I, I, every I,
0: single time I, it's a fucking ordeal <laughs> but i i just hope you appreciate how much effort I'm, i I'm do putting it it.
1: Yeah. i do appreciate quite a lot quite a lot smithy yeah that's perfect paul yeah thanks i'm doing well yeah how about you how are you doing
0: I am well, uh, excited uh, where me and my wife are heading down to Palm Springs for a week on Sunday for a baby moon. So that's going to be cool. Very hot. Extremely hot down there.
1: Oh, really? How hot is it going to get?
0: Like 40 Celsius, which is like 110 Fahrenheit. Yeah, Um,
1: I I know how long. (laughs) That's that's very hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, you're fluent in both?
1: (laughs) I'm fluent in both, yeah. Um, oh, we should mention, because that podcast is not getting released, but you're right, you're expecting, you're pregnant, and you're going to be a dad in December, right?
0: Oh, yeah. We recorded that on the podcast. And we should also clarify that the reason we're not putting that podcast out is not because we said anything heinous or cancelable. Oh, yeah. It's because Smriti recorded bad audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I couldn't get my shit together. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway. So, anyway.
0: That's that's more than enough banter. We We've shared the podcast with some friends and we got the same feedback from all of them, which was that our banter was incredibly boring and too long. So we, uh, we apologize and we we're going to try to cut down on it. All right. So what are we talking about today?
1: Yeah. So today what we're going to talk about is going to be very reminiscent, you know, to to what we spoke about last time, which is, I guess, essentially free speech. Um, So there is this, um, letter that just went out, this open letter that was signed by a lot um, of different writers and public figures that was published in Harper's Magazine, um, where they essentially, I mean, it was a pretty short letter to the point, point um, and what they were trying to say is that there's this environment where people are being silenced, um, and they're not open to discourse and debate, and that that's an issue, and they were just sort of speaking up about it, and the reaction to that has been just... You know, immensely negative, um, and people are uh, making all these arguments against this letter, and so we're going to sort of unpack some of that and well, share our thoughts on that. Yeah,
0: I yeah, I. There has been a negative reaction, but whether the we we should characterize the overall reaction as immensely negative is that's not clear mm. clear to me, right? So because Twitter is not society, um, that's true. I shared the letter on my Facebook, and it got. You know, far more people responded positively than negatively.
1: Really, um,
0: and are, are, you know, only only one person actually raised some um, sort of quibbles with it, and they weren't even that bad. So I don't, right. yeah. Like,
1: but I your mean, Facebook isn't the world. That's either, not the world right? either. But yeah,
0: so Twitter. I mean, Twitter definitely. There's been a negative reaction on Twitter, and um, yeah, a lot of it connects with the discussion that we had um, in the last pod. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, this, uh, it was, it was prescient. I mean, clearly this pod is driving the cultural conversation to a degree that we didn't realize yeah. because, you know, the day after we recorded the pod, <laughs> this, you know, these, the, all these public intellectuals responded with this, with this letter. So, um, didn't, didn't realize we held that kind of sway culturally <laughs> in the United States based on the three listens that that podcast had, but yeah, you know, it's surprising. Yeah. But it's working. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I don't know. What did you think? My, I, I, I liked it. Obviously, I shared it on Facebook. I was really happy to see Noam Chomsky's name on it mm-hmm. because he's just such a, um, you know, patriarch of the American left. You know, he's just so right. so widely respected. Has like yep. stood yep. on principle for so long, um, mm-hmm. and no yeah. nobody doubts that he is nobody doubts that he has good faith, right? Nobody doubts that um, his heart is in the right place, even if, I mean, a lot of people disagree with his positions on a lot of Mm -hmm. issues and think that he's, you know, defended horrible regimes around the world and stuff like that. But he's, Mm -hmm. you know, very well respected, at least in the left-wing circles that I...
1: Definitely.
0: ...came up in politically. Mm -hmm. So, like, just seeing him on the... on Yeah, because we... I mean, as we were talking about on Monday, we feel subjectively that there's an issue. We feel subjectively that there's kind of a trend towards uh, um, speech Mm -hmm. being more and more sort of restricted on on certain topics, but, you know, very hard for us to tell.
1: Yeah. Nobody's listening to us. Yeah.
0: (laughs) right. And so like, it's a bit validating to have people as smart as Chomsky sort of say, yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. And like the argument that Oh, these. This is just the way for the elites to maintain their stronghold on, you know, public influencer. Um,
0: wait, wait, wait. Hold up, like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. You're already jumping to the counter argument. So I, like, I asked you, what did you, what did you think of the letter? Like, <laughs> what did I or, think yeah, of
1: yeah. the letter? Okay, yeah, let's get, get to that first. Um, I liked it. Yeah, like it seemed. There's nothing in there that seemed problematic to me at all, and yeah like even regard like like notwithstanding anybody that signed the letter, if you just look at the letter, um yeah, there's nothing in that that I disagree with, you know, I think they're saying something very you know sensible and balanced, just saying we completely agree about all the all the discourse that's happening with regards to making sure that we're providing people that have been disenfranchised disenfranchised with you know a voice and um, making sure that we're doing things to improve in that regard. But then also, you know, we should be allowed to have debates, just constructive, open debates about things. Um, And you can't, like, yeah, a lot of them are writers, you know, people like Salman Rushdie, right, who've been, you know, issued a, you know, death decree for writing a book, like, right? Like, that's, yeah, like, we can't, like, that's not Mm -hmm. a fair society should work, right? People should not be you know punished or you know lose their livelihoods and you know killed for writing books or you know having certain thoughts or opinions as long as those opinions are not themselves hurting others
0: mm. yeah yeah well i guess the critics would say that a lot of the signatories do have opinions that hurt others and this kind of um mm. leads us probably quite nicely to uh a lot of the counter arguments against a a lot of the pushback against the letter was really focused on the signatories themselves, right? Like mm-hmm. so Yeah. I mean, I guess philosophers would call a lot of it ad hominem fallacies. Mm-hmm. So sort of attacking these people rather than the content of the letter, rather than what they've right. said, it mm-hmm. was, oh, but J.K. Rowling is a turf. Oh, Steven Pinker is a racist, uh, and so on. So, um, really playing the man, as we would say, um, in Australia, maybe they say that here to play playing, I've never playing the it. man, not playing the, the ball. Man. So like if you're playing, playing uh, football and the ball comes in and you just like try to like <laughs> take out the other guy rather than worrying that you, you're playing <laughs> right. the man. So then this, this uh, like in yes. an ad hominem argument is like, you're playing the man, um, Right. Which, not the, not the ball, you know, how, uh, um, what male centric, what's, what's the word for yeah, anyway, to you're playing the person I should say, rather than the ball. Yeah. So,
1: oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, I
1: and that, I mean that I, there, there's a lot, I mean, I have to think that's just not right in any case, right. Anybody that's putting forth an argument, you should, you should evaluate arguments on the merit of the arguments, not based on who said on Twitter, you know, five years ago? Like,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it has no bearing on the actual statement itself, and it and it's. Um, yeah, there was a, a counter letter put out. I think it just came out today, maybe or yesterday,
1: mm.
0: called um, a more specific statement on um, open debate or something like that. And the majority of it was devoted to sort of these ad hominem attacks against the uh, writers. Yeah. So, I mean... May- and,
1: and they're trying... Sorry, yeah, go ahead.
0: I mean, maybe, like, so, yeah, like, like it, I guess the ad hominems weren't just these people, um, these people are awful, uh, you know, some of it was these people are being hypocrites by signing this letter, like, so these people don't mm. have standing to talk about this, Um and right. t- for two main reasons, I guess. So one was people were saying, well, some people on this list have tried to cancel people before or have tried to restrict other people's speech before. And secondly, it was like, well, none of them have been canceled. They have this huge platform as evidenced by mm-hmm. um, being published in in Harper's. So I would class these as ad hominem, but they are, they're sort of ad hominem in a, maybe a bit more of a relevant way.
1: Yeah. And the... Yeah, I mean, and it does seem like oh, that's a you know valid argument, but when you think about it a bit more, it's really not because I mean, y- if you and I wrote a letter and sent it to Harper's, they're not going to publish that, right? Like the only reason these people got published is because they do have influence that they're using to put forth this opinion that a lot of other people share, but you know nobody's listening to them, right? right? And and I feel like if it, I was in a position um of influence where i was a writer or somebody that couldn't be canceled right somebody then i think i would think it might almost like a moral responsibility to point out like hey yeah there's like these people like jk rowling is not getting canceled right she's not speaking out for herself right she's speaking out for people like you and Mm. i who have no influence and no power and no money
0: she might get canceled but she has a billion dollars so it doesn't it doesn't really Yeah doesn't yeah matter. yeah that's
1: what i mean but it doesn't matter she's going to she's going to self publish she will still, she can still put out her speech mm, right sure. it's it's she's not she doesn't have to worry about not being able to speak up
0: Yeah um, right um yeah so i mean obviously people with more of a platform can be the ones who do put out a letter like this uh which is mm-hmm. a good point but i mean also just just because you're putting out a letter does not necessarily mean you're putting, it, you're saying that it threatens you, right? So like, it is possible to care right. about things uh, that don't just affect you. And I think, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I've heard the exact uh, sort of mirror image argument made, where you know, Ezra Klein was saying to Sam Harris, for example, well, you're just worried about this because you see it as a threat, right? You're just worried about right. political correctness going mad, and you know, like. Mm-hmm. Because you got put on a hate group list after having Charles Murray on there. your podcast. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, a little bit damned if you do and damned if you don't, right? So
1: Yeah, but it's like, yeah, if you feel like you're being wronged in some way, who else is going to speak yeah. up?
0: Right? Like, I mean, yeah, totally. Uh, the loudest, who else is
1: going to point?
0: The loudest voices on any issue will tend to be the people who feel personally affected by it. Um, yeah. I mean, another and another quite bad argument I saw was just like, you know, this country is going through a pandemic, and they're, we're trying like pe- there's people in the streets marching for Black Lives Matter, and this is what these people are worried about. Like this is this trifling. Like they're worried about people criticizing them on Twitter or something like that. Um. So kind of how how could you be talking about this unimportant thing at this time? But it's also like just cause there's other stuff going on in the world, you know, you could say that about almost anything, right? Like,
1: and, and not just that, I mean, and not just that, but that it's not an unimportant thing, right? Because now is a time when people are going to be thinking about how do we change the world? How do we create new policies? How do we, mm. you know, like things like the GRE, right? Should we accept it? Should we mm, not? Right. And if if you can't have discourse, an open discourse and debate about those policy issues, mm. Then I think we're doing ourselves a disservice, right? Like it is a very important mm-hmm. topic that encompasses almost everything that we'll do as a society moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, that, that actually is a really good point. Like, yes, people yeah. are in the streets marching about Black Lives, and because of that, people are considering like major restructuring to police departments, mm-hmm. which are yeah. like these institutions yeah. that you know um, protect protect people from like getting murdered and stuff. So, yeah, the, it it is important in I mean, I've I've seen it sort of I don't know what the word moral panic necessarily means, but I've sort of seen some writers argue that we're in a moral panic right now and we are like similar thing happened after 9/11 where like everybody in the country just sort of, sort of gets on the same page and any mm-hmm. like um any sort of contrary opinions like i just responded to extremely um, With sort of extreme force in in the midst of what is being called a moral panic and the argument being made that um with what's going on now with black lives matter and all the protests and stuff like that something similar is going on like um people are get just getting fired left right and center uh for just expressing um expressing any sort of view like one amazing example was a journalist lee fang interviewed a black man in oakland and the black man in oakland sort of asked the question he's like well I've had like two of my cousins get killed you know by just gun violence um yeah what why does that you know nobody cares about that but if they had have gotten killed by a, a white person like you know it would be in like front mm. page news all over the country right. Lee Fang shared this on Twitter and mm-hmm. was made to publicly apologize like for this so he you know
1: For sharing a black man's opinion. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So for mm. um, you know, amplifying a black voice but the wrong black voice, right? So playing into the black on black crime narrative or so to speak. And this is was held up as evidence of Li Fang's uh, quote unquote anti blackness and he had to apologize for it. Now he didn't get fired, he kept his job, mm. but other people have been fired. Um David Shaw was a data scientist um at civis analytics i believe is the name of the company hmm. he on twitter sh- just shared a research paper that had just come out uh and it was just a very policy wonky political science research paper looking at what was the effect of nonviolent protests and violent protests in the civil rights movement wow. um Great. and the paper sort of purported to find that um where there was violent protests uh democratic vote share went down where there was peaceful protests, it went up. So it was kind of making an argument that maybe violent protests aren't um, aren't maybe a great thing for democratic vote share. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was fired. So somebody on Twitter sort of tagged his boss and said, "Hey, come get your boy." Three days later, he was right. fired from this company. And we don't we don't fully know why he was fired, but it seems very likely that he was fired just for sharing this paper that sort of suggested that violent riots might not be good right at this moment of sort of quote unquote moral panic where like, a, yeah. you know, any sort of contrary view, um, is just met with, um, just outrage and the, yeah, demand that you be, uh, sort of cast out sort of.
1: Yeah. And it, uh, and that just shouldn't be, Okay, right? You shouldn't get fired for tweeting something, right? I think I think it's I can't remember who said it, but one in one of the podcasts I listened to, somebody mentioned it being like just a perpetual job interview, right? Mm. That your whole online presence is now just a job interview to mm. where any single thing you could say could just like get you get like derail your life completely. And that just seems mm. so unfair.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, like another amazing example. Was there was this uh, Latino electrician who was fired Mm. because he was driving in his truck and he was making out his hand was hanging outside the window of the truck in, in this sort of this okay symbol. And I don't know if you know what's been going on with this symbol, but like there's this weird thing that has happened in a just a weird subset of our culture where some sort of alt right trolls on 4chan decided wouldn't it be funny if we sort of started like spreading the view that this is like a white power symbol because if you look at it it sort of (laughs) looks like wp right so then we sort of start trolling people and convincing them that if you see somebody doing that in a photo uh Mm that what they're doing is signaling white power and this was sort of embraced by like some legitimate like white nationalist groups and you see them at protests and there's some photos of them making this symbol but now all of a sudden okay so this electrician he's got you know a high school education he you know is not doesn't have a political bone in his body he's like he's never like yeah. he's never voted uh, he's uh hanging his, like just making this symbol a white activist sees it takes a photo of it gets him fired from the company and there was like no sort of yeah, like no internal review because he just sent this to the company saying, "Well, did you not know this is?" And the company gets spooked and they, they fire this guy. Um, that's crazy. It is a bit crazy. So like,
1: and I mean, if that if that's the thing about the symbols, true? Then I guess there's a lot of white supremacy in India. Right?
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you, the, the people make that, that it, right? a like, lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, there was a similar thing a few months ago where some army cadets because there's this other thing in the culture called the circle game. I don't know if you ever watched the show Malcolm in the Middle, but they were always trying to make each other look at the circle and then they would <laughs> oh, punch yeah. them if you got the person. So, like, these army cadets were playing the circle game and it got on national TV and then there was this huge uproar because oh, they're, they're like, this is about white supremacy and stuff like that. And, I mean, the army, like, and I just think, like, this stuff is taking up so much cultural energy right now. Go ahead.
1: It is, and it like, A, just, it just distracts from real issues, I think, and B, this whole idea that intentions don't matter. I just, it's like bullshit. I, I don't, like, I don't buy it. Like, like intentions do matter. Like, like if you were just had your hand hanging out well, yeah, I mean, of the window, like, legally.
0: Legally, intentions matter. That's kind of the difference between manslaughter yeah, and yeah. murder, right? So, like, we, exactly. we do sort of... They do matter. Yeah, I think, like, yeah. very few moral philosophers would not consider that they do. So, but we're getting off track. But do so you like think that, a lot
1: of this, like... Those were the... But, no, but a lot of these arguments are that, oh, it doesn't matter what your intention was, right? You said this word, and therefore mm. you were evil, and you should be cancelled.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I actually think... A lot of it is based on imputing intentions, uh, right. Um, and the intentions don't Matter is sort of just a subset of one strand of this like cultural trend. we're related to sort of the microaggression and the way yeah. the way sort of white supremacy is so pervasive uh, and sort of operates in all these like mysterious, subtle ways, right. But we we're getting yeah. off track, so we should get back. So, like those were kind of the ad hominem arguments that we mm-hmm. don't really think mm-hmm. much of. And um, yeah, I, I guess just to like finish up with that, in this counter letter, like I said, a lot of it was devoted to sort of just ad hominem attacks on people. And and like the person who got the most uh, ink was uh, our friend Jesse Single, um, <laughs> who we talked about in the last podcast, and. No, this guy...
1: And he tweeted you recently, so you're practically friends now. It was, now.
0: yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing... Yeah, it was amazing because they wrote this whole paragraph about him and one of the charges against him was that mm-hmm. he has devoted multiple medium posts to um, arguing with trans people, right? So, mm-hmm. and then they linked to a medium post that Jesse Single had written and if you actually read that medium post, what he what he's doing in it is he's kind of defending himself Against accusations made by a trans person against him that were false, right so he he's showing um, sort of uh, he's showing like email exchanges that they've had and text exchanges that they've had and, and stuff like this and just showing that this person kind of lied about him in, a, in an attempt to smear yeah. him so like that's a very weird thing to post as evidence of somebody's like moral disrepute that they sort of defended themselves and sort of showed that somebody had lied about them. But interestingly, Jesse Single, so like my brother listened to our last podcast. So Andy Connor, um, very, very smart, young uh, philosopher (laughs) slash transcriber, lives in Melbourne, Australia. And he said the one thing that stood out to him was that I did not understand why people didn't like Jesse Single. So he shared with me this Jesse single resource page which was like 20 (laughs) links to different people who hate Jesse Single. Right. And Hmm. okay, to be quite honest, haven't read them all, right? Because it was it was a lot and I'm a busy guy. I have read some of them though, and I really like there's just nothing damning there whatsoever. Um, Like a couple of the things. Okay, so one big problem with with Jesse is that he wrote this article um about um trans kids and the the criticism is of it is that he gave he devoted too much of the argument to detransitioners. Right? So like the motive they're imputing on him is that he wants people to think detransition is a bigger deal than it is. Um but we don't have good evidence on how big a deal detransition is and Jesse was writing the article from the point of view of parents trying to deal with this and, and what 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 Parents should think and, and do and try to give well, them right. the information of like what you know, what happened if a kid says they're trans, what what should you do? What mm-hmm. like and just trying to give them the fact and like I'm sorry, but detransitioners are part of the fact. So you might think, uh, he gave too much of the attention in this article to detransitioners and that means okay. that he's evil and he's trying to like um harm your community or something like that. Okay, so uh, from an outsider's perspective, I like I don't see that. He also talked to trans people in the article The article also had trans sensitivity readers. So like a trans person read it, signed off on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like not, not a big charge. Another charge. Okay. So they get more and more ridiculous. So another charge was like some writer called Julia Serrano, who is a trans woman claims that Jesse single tried to slut shame her. And Mm. the way that he slut shamed her was he wrote something about their interactions. And he linked to an article that she had written about her experience dating in San Francisco. And he actually said, this is actually a really good piece. And I think you should read it. So that's how mm. he's quote unquote slut shamed her. And her, her point was like, uh, I've written so much. And why did he focus on this one piece about me dating mm. in San Francisco? And it's like, well, maybe he liked it. Maybe he really thought it was yeah. good, and he thought he was doing something nice by linking to it, but this is one of the main charges, and this is on this jesse single resource pay, resource page, which is supposedly proving that he 's this horrible person and so like i 've asked my brother, and he hasn 't replied to this yet like just give me like something clear to hold on to because I said this to you last week that like I, i've just ha- you know you follow the threads and you just find nothing and i just want yeah. I just want him to give just one thing one clear piece of evidence that this guy has done something uh, bad or malevolent towards a trans community. And I, you know, I still haven't found anything, but who knows? Because the search continues and this has now become like a big part of my life to try to find out uh, what the hell Jesse Single did wrong. So anyway, let's put a pin in the ad hominem stuff because there are other uh, arguments that people have made against this letter.
1: But there are, yeah, those arguments I don't find compelling at all. And I find it so off-putting when, um, when... Articles will mention, oh, this person who is white or this person who's a cis man. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to, like, why should we focus on somebody's immutable characteristics, right? Tell me what they've done. Why are they speaking on this issue? If you're talking about a book and you're a Nobel laureate, that's relevant information. Whether you're white or black, that has no relevance to the matter, right? So, yeah, these these ad hominem attacks are just, yeah, not compelling at all. Yeah. Yeah, so let's move on.
0: Okay. Another big, another argument is, um, the letter is a historical, like it contains sort of no acknowledgement that the primary victims of silencing have been marginalized people all throughout history. Right. So like, um, the, it, it's, it might like, I mean, the counter letter makes the claim that white cis people have never suffered from being silenced, which is totally Totally not true. Um, and, no. you know, you just ask Garry Kasparov or Salman Rushdie or Noam Chomsky uh, if they've never been silenced. Well, and...
1: Salman Rushdie is not white, though. Oh, he's not? He, he's Indian. Oh,
0: okay. Well, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. there you go. That doesn't... Well, Garry <laughs> Gary Kasparov, um, Noam Chomsky, you know... Noam Chomsky, of... yeah. Yeah, a lot of white cis people have had their speech restricted in the past, but... Um...
1: Well, he's Indo-British. Sorry, not... yeah.
0: But... Okay. And yeah, so there's, um, a lack of acknowledgement of, uh, power and historical, um, historical power structures. Um, so, I mean, to me that, I I guess, yeah, true. Good point. Like the, the, in the letter, they didn't write about how, you know, historically, you know, marginalized groups have suffered disproportionately in terms of having their Mm -hmm. uh, speech curtailed. That's true. That's true of the letter. Um, And maybe that should have been in the letter. However, Mm -hmm. I mean, this argument also doesn't really take much away from the force of the statement in the letter because essentially you're just saying, well, this thing that you're saying you're suffering from, other groups have suffered from more, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's a good thing. Right, like that. Right. That obviously, like, if you think it was bad that marginalized groups in the past have had their speech like vastly restricted, then I, ass- I guess, you just agree that it's bad for speech to be restricted, and 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 you agree with the tenor of the letter that robust, open exchange of ideas is important and a good thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're not saying only we should be allowed to have free speech. No. They're saying everybody should be allowed to have free speech. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, they, they're making the argument that these people don't want to be criticized. That's why they're speaking out against, um, you know, being canceled, essentially. Yeah. Um, which, again, I mean, people like Noam Chomsky, even Salman Rushdie, right? They've stood up for people's rights to criticize them and hold opposing views to them. I think if you do hold the value of free speech, dear, then you hold it for everybody. Yeah. That everybody should be allowed to speak up.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, not not a not a really strong argument still against the content of the letter. All right. So okay. next, I think you get to an argument where maybe there there is a bit more force to it, right? Which is just arguing with. The, so the letter is claiming that this is an increasing trend in society, right? Like so, um, speech is becoming increasingly constricted. Uh, and we're seeing all sorts of examples uh, of illiberalism where people are getting fired or getting, yeah, mainly fired is the main thing. They're like fired or excluded <laughs> from organizations or, you know, having books withdrawn and stuff like that. Right.
1: Um, or not be allowed to yeah, talk and about. Yeah, evidence of this, of this growing
0: things. trend. Um, and people have pushed back on that and just said, well, you know, there's actually not that many clear examples. um, Of this happening, and if this was a really growing, dangerous trend, shouldn't we be seeing more clear examples of it? And this is, I guess, the point of uh, Stephen Pietodosi is an academic at Berkeley, and he put out a Twitter thread that you shared with me that I thought was um, a better counter argument than most, at least.
1: Yeah. Why? Why do you think that's a better argument? Well,
0: I just thought. You know, because when I, and this is the same thing when I was, when we were going to talk about it in academia, Mm -hmm. if you try to go and find like clear examples of people that were sort of unfairly um, dismissed from academic jobs and stuff like that, it's not that easy to find that many examples, right? Um, You can definitely, it's pretty easy to find examples where like activists were calling for people's jobs. Uh, but mm-hmm. there's not that many people who actually lost their jobs. Um, there was a guy recently fi- like a young maths professor fired for calling, um, <laughs> microaggression flyers, Garbage. Um, he got, yeah, fired uh, him. Noah Carl lost his position at Oxford based on a pe- Oxford or Cambridge based on a petition, um, accusing him of doing racist work, uh, he's done research about like connection between Muslim immigration and crime. For example, um, he's done work like looking at, yeah. Like differences between racial groups and stuff like that. Um, there was.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'll ask this. Yeah. So maybe there are not a lot of people getting fired, but the fact that there is such like, or at least it seems so like on Twitter and just mm-hmm. on the internet, which I do realize is it's mostly the people who are on the extreme speaking mm-hmm. up. Right. Which is one of the, all, the reasons I wanted to do this podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I think of myself, you mm-hmm. know, it's not something I would normally do, but I do think that people who are m- more moderate and hold, you know, nuanced opinions about things just don't speak up. Right. It's people who are very much on the mm-hmm. other, the, both on the extreme ends of the discussions that usually speak up. Um, like those people are not, maybe people are not getting fired for it, but when you see all this outrage, it does make people less likely to just share their opinions to begin with. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's part of the point of our last podcast, right? That like, um, even though it is a little bit difficult to find such clear examples in academia, you know, both of us have had the experience of this, I guess, subjective experience of feeling not free to say what we think about things and have, feeling like our speech is restricted and we know other people who have that experience too. My guess is Stephen would say that's all that is, is a subjective... Like if you don't have clear evidence that you will uh, be have, suffer negative consequences for good faith uh, opinions, then you're just sort of... Um, it's just this uh, subjective story you're telling yourself.
1: Yeah, and it's not even... I don't think I've suffered any negative consequences for it. I don't think that's my problem with it. I mean, i got nothing to lose here. Um, but the problem I see with it is that I, I don't even think anybody engaged is engaging with certain issues in a meaningful way, right? We're not getting anywhere with things if people are just not even... Cause, okay, so I sent out the email by the jury with an argument... And like I mentioned a lot of the podcast, like people just did not engage with the ideas. They did not counter my arguments directly. There was mm. no counter fact like arguments with facts or evidence. None of that. It was mostly just like narratives or like I agree with the other side. and that that to me is the the worst part of that, right? It's not any personal consequences mm. that I face. is that I, like I can't even like I don't even feel like people are willing to engage in a debate about things. and I find debates very exciting. You know, and they're, and I think they're useful and, um, like, they they serve a purpose, right? They they bring you to, they either bring you to a common ground, they change, like, allow you to change your mind or change somebody else's mind or bring you to a more nuanced understanding of the the topic at hand, right? Which is why I would actually really like to have a conversation with Steve, if possible, mm. because I'm just very like people, the people on both sides of this conversation I respect a lot right right? people like J.K. Rowling and Salman Rushdie and Noam Chomsky and you know all these other people I respect them a lot I think they've added a lot of value to the world and I don't think they're they're not the people they're they're not the enemy Mm -hmm. here right we have other things to worry about and if we're and people on this side of the argument too right that these people should not be saying these things I respect a lot of those people too and so what I'm like let's figure out where that disconnect is happening, right? How can we hold the same values? Because I do think we all do. How can we come to like such a different conclusion about this issue of free speech?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd love to get um, my advisor, Dacca, and his former collaborator, John Haidt, in a room uh, (laughs) and have them hash this out because it's amazing how two brilliant people can come to such a different conclusion about something like this right yeah.
1: um isn't it yeah it's yeah. fascinating
0: yeah 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 totally so i mean
1: where do you think where do you think that break is happening well, I think like what, if we what were- i
0: liked about Stephen's thread right is because this is how i this is how i engage about issues right okay like you okay you're telling me that the police uh, operate as an occupying force and they're designed specifically to terrorize black communities. Okay, well, sh- like, show me the evidence, right? So, like, um, you know, if you're making this claim, show me the evidence. And that that's how he's mm-hmm. engaging with this, right? Like, you, you're you making yeah. this claim, show me the evidence. And he's like, oh, well, oh, yeah. if you're talking about Noah Carl, here's why I think, like, and here's why I think hes he's racist and horrible and stuff like that. And if you're talking about this, mm-hmm. here's why... Like, we take that side of the view. So, like, you can go through every single one of these issues, but I guess for me, like, every single one of them, you're going to reach a place where you don't really know. And even Stephen admitted that if David Shaw was fired just for tweeting that study, that is bad. But he also said, well, but we don't even totally know that, right? Uh, And just on that, like, I kind of... It's true that we don't totally know that. However, I was listening to a pod today with uh, Yasha Monk, who was writing an article Mm -hmm. about it, and he said that... At first, the company told him that he was not fired for uh, the tweet, right? But then um, he said that they sort of quickly realized that that they quickly decided that they didn't want that impress, right? So they started emailing him and begging him to take that out. Uh, and he thinks what happened is they realized that they might be able to get sued for libel because if you say he wasn't yeah. fired for the tweet, you're saying he was fired for something else. Uh, and if that's not true um mm. he he can sue and and you've sort of falsely yeah. accused him of being incompetent in his job, so it certainly seems likely it's the well i mean if we are just bayesians like it it's the most it seems like the most likely uh explanation um and he was kicked off a like a listserv, and it was very clear why they kicked him off the listserv. It was clearly because he shared that research, and they said not just because he shared the research but he also went to New York magazine after he got fired. Uh, and they framed that as uh, in, like endangering this uh, black person who had said, come get your boy, right? So he went to New York Magazine and he said, I got fired. And they said that by doing that, so sort of by sticking up for himself or wanting his story to yeah. get out there, he was sort of endangering the life of this black <laughs> black person who had complained and got him fired in the first place because it would inevitably inevitably bring, I guess, harassment or... To them so that that was their reasoning for why he was kicked off this this listserv um so i yeah
1: i mean it's it's yeah in a lot of these cases it's probably there's no way for us to know as outsiders yeah. like what really happened yeah yeah right? and you
0: like i guess if we talk to steven i just don't want to end up having to try to defend all these people Right. Like I, I guess like, and you start to just feel kind of icky if like, Oh, now I'm defending Noah Carl and now I'm, now I'm defending Bo Weingart and stuff like that. And you just quickly, it's like, he's this, you know, like he's, he's uh, like this good person and you're this devil's advocate sort of sticking up for like these horrible people and stuff like that. But the one, I mean, the one guy like my boy, Jesse single, like I, that to (laughs) me is a clear example of just somebody being treated completely unfairly. Um,
1: Even though there's no evidence of any wrongdoing yeah, at all. Like,
0: yeah, not that I've come across yet. I mean, he's...
1: And it sounds like you've been looking. He's,
0: like, he misinterpreted some data at one point, like, based on some mm. studies about desistance. The study had included people who just never came back to the... So it was, like, Netherlands study. I see. Um, and they were, like, had... All these kids whose parents had brought them to this gender clinic and a lot of them just never came back to the clinic. And because there's only one gender clinic at the time in the Netherlands, they just assumed that those those kids had desisted or they were no longer um, trans. But like not a safe assumption, but also not a safe assumption that they weren't um detransition so like it's just this unknown thing where like he had misinterpreted yeah. the data and but, a lot of other but people but he's not a researcher But he, so. when he found that out he was totally open about it and he tweeted yeah. about it and he amended his so he's a you know journalists are going to make mistakes like this yeah. doesn't prove that jesse single is a bad person it doesn't prove he's a, a devil anyway so he i yeah. would go to bat four and say that that was wrong david shaw definitely and even Stephen admitted that if he was fired just for tweeting that thing that was wrong um so
1: but it's more than more than just yeah individual people right mm. i I, like do you think steve would deny that there is a culture of just you know sort of vilifying people for sharing a tweet or sharing just their
0: opinion yeah well that leads to this um where it's just the marketplace of ideas defense right Mm. where it's like you know this these people are just upset because now um people have the ability to criticize them uh, on Twitter and stuff like that, and so like if you write a bad article, and a lot of people say this about Jesse Single, is like, yeah, if you write a bad article, we're gonna criticize you, and that's that's fair game. And I actually just don't, I don't think the letter writers would um, disagree with that, right? Disagree. And I, and I don't think no. Jesse Single cares if you like criticize his work and say I think you got this wrong or I think you're you're wrong about this. I mean, where. Where it gets weird and where I think the letter writers are um, coming down on this is like, you know, when you call for somebody's job or you start mm-hmm. to... Anybody that associates with them, you you criticize them for associating with this person, right, um, who said right. this thing that you disagree with. Yeah. Like
1: you're essentially ostracizing them hmm. from their communities, right? Yeah, for, yeah. For having like, an opinion. There's
0: yeah. a real, like drive to sort of seek to ostracize people. And um, yeah, this this is interesting because like another thing I read this week was this piece about council culture and freedom of speech by... I'm not sure if I, I know the guy's name properly. Osita Nwesenu or something. And um, in it, he makes the argument that um, people are sort of selectively focusing on freedom of speech and not focusing on another liberal value of freedom of association, right? So he makes the argument that, like, everybody's free to say what they want. However, Mm -hmm. we are also free to create uh, groups that are based on shared values. And so we can decide to exclude people um, or include people based on those shared values. So if there's certain certain speech that goes against the values of an organization, in a free liberal society, that organization is within its rights to exclude that person. So if you're in a private university and a professor has an opinion that uh, you find upsetting and you think it's against the values of the organization, or um, you can call for that professor to be fired and that doesn't go against the principles of a free liberal society.
1: Okay. I I mean, that's... That is probably I, I think what I think is maybe a stronger argument, that yeah, if you're within an organization, you can kind of decide the majority rules, um, you can decide what is allowed and what is not allowed um, to be said and expressed. But I think to my or, like I think this relates to my earlier point about, but who is doing that speaking up right? Like, are we going to, if we're talking about university, like UC Berkeley, are we going to vote, like poll everybody on what they think should be done? Or is it just going to be a select group of people who, like I said again, are more likely to be on the more extreme mm-hmm. as opposed to, as opposed to like accurately reflecting what most people on average think, right? Like, who is making these decisions about what is and isn't allowed, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, unless we have a way of accurately getting a sense of what most people think, Mm. then it is problematic, right? Because then somebody is going to be in power and somebody is going to make those decisions. Mm. And I I mean, yeah. Like our our motto is like, let there be light, right? Fiat Lux, like surely, Mm. like, you know, keeping some issues in the dark or not allowing some things to come out. Like that's not... Mm that's not a value we hold as, as an, as a higher education institution.
0: Hmm. Sure. But uh, yeah, I guess um, it's certainly true that there would be at least some views that we would not want expressed.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like but, but if they, yeah, again. a neo,
0: neo-Nazi group was going to come to campus and give a talk about um, racial purity or something like that. We would not mm-hmm. want that. We would say that that's beyond the pale. And I guess to somebody like Wanyu, there, you know, it's just the same thing to deplatform a Jesse single uh, or, or something like that. Uh, whereas, like, so I think what he's arguing for, quite um, transparently in this, is saying yes, we are narrowing uh, the boundaries of acceptable speech within certain institutions. Mm-hmm. And that is our right within a free society. Yeah. Uh, And I think we're... I I mean, the letter writers... Yeah, I mean, the letter writers are not sort of making a legal appeal and saying you can't create institutions where... Like, with narrower and narrower bounds of, like, acceptable speech. But I think they're just saying maybe you don't want to go there. Like, maybe that's actually not good for a culture um and it actually does um hold us back uh and it does just lead to this stifling stifling environment where um which makes us all kind of dumber because we don 't uh we 're just taught this is what you have to say about this issue you step out of line we 'll kick you out of this of the group you'll you 'll be a pariah uh so yeah, no, like, I guess it's just almost religious, right? Like, it's, don't, you know, this is the truth. Don't be an apostate. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, for for him, it's like, well, yeah, that is what we're doing and we're allowed to do it, so, we <laughs> you know, and, and, and somehow also saying, but we do respect freedom of speech. But it's like, well, no, I mean, if you... I guess what you're talking about is like there's uh, conflicting rights, but you're certainly coming down on um, one right uh, sort of trumping another if you come down on the side of "Mm, freedom of speech is all well and good. But we also want to be able to create institutions where we disallow A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Mm-hmm. like things to be said.
1: Yeah. And yeah, you don't, I, I don't think those values need to be pitted against each other like that. Right. I don't think if you hold one, you have to right. there's, it's not like a hydraulic system of, Oh, if you have more of one, you can't have more of the other. Of course you should be allowed to make institutions where you can have, you know, just sort of limit what people can and cannot mm. say. Um, well, but, but, but society shouldn't function like that. Right. Like I, this is just, I find it almost just, Personally, kind of depressing because it's like I grew up in like I grew up in north of India, which, you know, you're probably more familiar with than a lot of people. It's a very sort of patriarchal, you know, society where women really are not allowed to have opinions. And that was one of the most liberating things that I felt when I moved to this country. Right. For the first time, I felt like, okay, people do really care about what I have to say. Mm -hmm. And to now feel like okay maybe I can't share my opinions on things be- because people are going to misinterpret them, mm. um, like that's just you know upsetting. Yeah,
0: I think yeah like the the idea of the creep right. So like I mean the letter writers are arguing that there's a cultural creep towards a narrower and narrower um, band of uh, allowed speech yeah. right. And if you read Osita, if you read between the lines in this Osita Nwanyu's piece, it's like he's basically saying, "Yeah, like." Well, he also makes the argument that, you know, not really, because in in the past, um, in the past, marginalized groups were had their speech, but we sort of talked about that already. Is there's two wrongs don't make a right, right? Like so, like right, so. Right, he's he's right. basically saying, like, it's not a trend; it's just different. But yes, and it's sort of like transparently, nakedly, yes, we do want organizations where people just aren't allowed to speak certain points of view uh, and stuff like that because they go against our shared values right and those Thanks. shared values are sort of based on like inclusiveness right like based on safety and inclusiveness
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and that sort of leads to that sort of leads to this thing that happened at vox right um so We're one of the signatories of the letter was Matthew Iglesias, who is one oh, of the founding, yes. um, one of the founders of Vox.
1: co founder, And
0: yeah. Um, he's, yeah, he signed on to the letter. Um, I don't know much about him, um, but he seems to be a, like a bit contrary uh, to a lot of the kind of Vox stuff and stuff like that. And there, a writer at Vox, um, a trans woman called Emily something... Um mm-hmm. she wrote an email to who to who to the Ezra Klein to Ezra um
1: I'm I, not sure who
0: like the sure. the board or something like that mm-hmm. sort of saying that um she was really disappointed um but Matthew signing the letter uh made her feel unsafe um mm-hmm and but she didn't just write the letter to the board of vox she also shared it on twitter and she said in the letter i don't want matthew to lose his job i just want you to know that i'm disappointed and it makes me feel less safe uh, right so here we sort of have um i think this really gets to the crux of this in a lot of ways right so her coworker has signed onto this letter that doesn't say anything about trans people yeah. or trans issues right the, the letter is speaking about the open exchange of ideas right so mm-hmm. and she's saying the fact that my coworker is in favor of the open exchange of ideas makes me feel less safe right so yeah. i mean a lot of people in the comments were asking what do you what do you mean by that like how does it make can you please explain how it makes you less safe and we were just sort of talking about this before and clearly it's not physical safety just because you're right there's no real like sane way to connect matthew iglesias Mm -hmm. believing in free speech to this woman's physical safety um and it's not the safety of her job like she's not going to get fired because he believes in free speech so it has something to do with her feeling unsafe with the idea of a free exchange of ideas right so the idea that Anybody free to say anything they want, and obviously, because she f- frames this all about as a trans woman, yada yada yada, yeah. it's like, yeah. So it it makes you unsafe as a trans person if we have, if we have the free like a protection for the free and open exchange of ideas within this organization.
1: Yeah, I guess the argument um, to extend or like her, her argument it will be, you know that if you allow people to have a free exchange of ideas that might include transphobic ideas. Right. And that makes, that gives people the liberty to then say hateful and bigoted things about trans people. And that is just, you know, upsetting and hurtful and just, you know, sort of psychologically unsafe. Yeah. Makes her feel psychologically. unsafe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so if you have, if you have inclusiveness as a shared value of this organization, then you should not have the open exchange of ideas as a value of the organization, or you should not protect the open exchange of ideas within that organization, right? Um, so, I mean, obviously, right, okay, so obviously nobody in Vox is going to come up to her and say, hey, I think you're a dude in a dress, right? Like, that's, right. that's not going to happen, Right
1: but it might happen publicly. It might, yeah, right? totally,
0: but then there's nothing Vox can do about that. Like that's not a reason to mm. email Ezra Klein, right? Like and that that's going to that's going to happen and so you, obviously like that's not that's not a real threat to you, but I mean people at Vox might you know think Jesse Single's not the devil, right? They might think that uh like they might think that detransition is a serious thing right they might they yeah. might question um they might question the philosophy behind transgenderism based on feminist ideas that like uh there is no internal state of being male, male or female like these are just social social constructs um that are sort of just bred into people from birth um so people might have differing opinions that sort of lead to conclusions that are deeply upsetting for this person, right? So people might right. think, well, they might think, for example, uh, we shouldn't allow, like Joe Rogan thinks, we shouldn't allow trans women to compete in combat sports with biological women, right? But this...
1: Only he if, he, if they haven't disclosed that, is I think his argument.
0: Oh, like if, if it's not...
1: Because... Right, so some I think some i don't remember, mm. but he, I think he mentioned that somebody had done that without letting others know mm. that they used to be a, a, a male mm. like a biological male, like they were born yeah male. right so somebody and could... that I think is what he mostly it's not like if a woman wants to fight a trans woman mm. right, I think he was like, yeah, that's totally fine, okay. as long as you 're open about it right, it right, right.
0: yeah, so but yeah. even that point of view you could you could see why it would be deeply upsetting because like you're living as a trans woman and basically you just want to be accepted as a woman. Like there's nothing different between you and a, a woman who was born biologically a female and any sort, of, any sort of opinion which would have you being treated differently is just sort of, you can interpret that as you being um, uh, not accepted as a woman, right? Like trans women are women is, you know, this is the slogan, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so, but these things, these things are, like, to me, not hate speech, right? Like, there's this this complicated things and this complicated issue and society's moving sort of very fast on it and, like, to...
1: And it and like and people do like have been trying to uphold these values of diversity, right? Mm. We need diversity of opinions, mm. doesn't that? Well, include
0: nobody, no, no, nobody that cares about diversity cares about diversity of opinions. Come on, like, what do you have, have? You been living Wait, under no. a rock? <laughs> like, come on, like this is. I mean, I.
1: But but that's but yeah, that's a problem, don't you? Like, I think that's a problem, right? Because I now I feel like when people say diversity. All they mean is, oh, we want a color palette, mm. you know. Col-
0: well, and, not... and gender and sex- sexuality. And gender, yeah, like and all,
1: those, all those palettes. Like
0: disability. Um, um, right. Um, age.
1: Again, yeah, again, everything that you personally as a human being have no control over, mm. right? That's how I see mm. it. Mm. I, I have no control yeah, over immutable, my gender, yeah. the color of my yeah, skin, yeah, yeah. my sexual orientation, right? Like none of mm. that. I don't control any of that. Mm. And so to, to sort of, to constantly and only evaluate people based on these immutable characteristics, like, that's not, right? Like, Joe Rogan, I think he spoke out, spoke out about that because he's like, this is I'm, what something I'm an expert on, right? He is, he is a bona fide, like, expert on physical combat. Like, that does, I think, give him some authority to be able to speak, or at least his opinion should be taken Mm. you know uh, to like with some you know like yeah he, he can talk about that right if he was talking about mm. i don't know but, but you know international policy like yeah no that his opinion doesn't matter right yeah. but i think just focusing on no oh, he's just a white man and so like no right like we should look at other things what have you done in your life what are your mm. you know what do you, what are you bringing to the table that's not something you don't have control over yeah
0: i mean to yeah, yeah. well i guess Maybe you, one would make the argument that, yeah, because, because those are the things that people have no control over, that's why they matter so much in terms of diversity. Uh, but you do have control over your political affiliation. That's why we don't want any Republicans. <laughs> like we We just want... You know, we just want uh, a good mix of ethnicities and genders and sexual orientations, and
1: but people who think exactly the but, same. But
0: yeah, but we don't really care about having people that think differently about issues, and and that's I mean that like going back to the I and thing, You think it's like that's your right, sure. Like you and we can create those institutions. I mean, public universities, arguably, you know, free speech like is kind of this constitutional right that should be protected in public institutions, but like, okay, just yeah. make it simple. We're talking about a private institution, a private mm-hmm. college. Yeah. Like constant. Yeah. Const- yeah. Sure. You do have the freedom to enforce whatever kind of like rules that, that people all have to share exactly the same opinion on these co- complex issues, or at least say exactly the same things about them. But I think the letter writers are just saying that's not, That's not, that's not good. That's not a good thing. Like we're not, we're not heading in a positive direction if we create these institutions and everybody has to think exactly the same way and be on the exactly same page. And if you share the wrong study, you can get like just expelled. Or if you, you know, ask Mm -hmm. a question, uh, you know, that people upsets people and the
1: thing or if you misspeak and you you know say something wrong that that's somehow you know is a representation of your character
0: and the whole thing about safety right like so i was thinking like if you're this emily journalist at vox and you come across somebody in your organization who has a different opinion from you maybe they are like a gender critical feminist and they you know think that there's something um there is something about being born in a female body that creates a unique shared experience that a trans woman can't really be a part of or can't really understand, right? Mm-hmm. That might be hurtful for you, but like if you think they're wrong, right? If you like if you think they're wrong and you disagree with them, then it's not clear to me that it's really fair to say it makes you unsafe, right? Like it it and I am totally speaking from ignorance because I'm not a trans woman here but like if you just see this person as ignorant who's wrong about this thing you could try to like persuade them or convince them or and even if that fails you could just say well they just don't get it they're they're just wrong it doesn't Mm -hmm. why does it have to be this thing of like i'm not safe if this person is employed at my workplace I, i i i just i can't handle it i need this person to be fired i need this person to be excluded um from this place I, I just think that this language of, and we talked about this on Monday, just how it it now is just a, such a conversation stopper. If you are in a marginalized yeah. group and you just mention this word "safe," I don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. This person makes me feel unsafe. Yeah. And just surely, like as a society, we we can't like it's just, it's not feasible that this can just be a conversation stopper because surely like if it's going to mean people's jobs, if it's going to mean people being excluded from organizations and stuff like that, surely there, then there has to be some, uh, further interrogation of that, of like, well, why, in what way does this make you unsafe? You know? And is that, is that a rational response? Is that a fair response? Like, does it, does it make you, why does it make you unsafe for me to like have a different opinion? to you about this complex topic where there's so much ambiguity and so much is unknown.
1: Yeah. Like, and these are super complicated topics and important topics that we do need to discuss as a society, right? If we're going to make any progress about anything. Yeah. Well, and just shut
0: it. I think it'd be better for us if we had discussions about that. We don't need to necessarily. We can just like let, let the loudest most extreme voices dominate and just like, maybe just defund police departments and (laughs) let everybody out of jail and and, we'll see what happens
1: yeah i guess we could do that but i mean we're social psychologists right we've been talking about these issues for a long time right is isn't like yeah groupthink is something we should definitely totally avoid i thought that was you know social psych 101 Mm. right like you should not you should be able to conformity Conformity and just making sure that you have people who have opposing views that push you into different ways of thinking. Otherwise, yeah, if groups, if you just keep making more and more heterogeneous groups that are sort of, you know, ideologically heterogeneous. Oh, you mean homogeneous? Yeah. Oh, homogeneous, sorry. Um, If you keep doing that, then yeah, then you do end up in a worse.
0: Heterogeneous and homogeneous till like my (laughs) third year of grad school. So now you'll get that.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Looking forward to it. But yeah, I, I don't think... You have to study I don't it think that's... <laughs> Yeah, I have to study thrice. Yeah. That's terrible. Was... Sorry, but, everybody. Before...
0: That was a total in-joke between me and Smriti that nobody else will get. Oh, that's right fine.
1: Here. Yeah, I, I was telling Paul about how I said thrice once um, a long time ago when I just moved here and somebody told me they'd never heard anybody say that before. Um, they thought I was very cultured for it and I felt good about myself. Um, right. Unlike they... Paul just calling me out.
0: Did they call you eloquent? <laughs>
1: no they call me cultured Uh, is that a microaggression i don't think so Yeah. yeah yeah um but anyway i i think yeah first of all i don't think it's okay for us to allow this group thing to happen and secondly the people who i think are speaking out against everybody that you know signed off on this letter is claiming that they're you know they're elites and they're just trying to hold on to power and stuff. And I, I, if, if they think if they're assuming, and I don't know if they are, but if they are assuming that doing that is going to make people like me speak out more, right. Mm -hmm. That there is going to make people like me who are, you know, obviously not in any sort of, you know, privileged, whatever demographic, um, then I, I that I mean from personal experience I, I I can just say that that's just not true mm. right that's not going to happen like it, it this doesn't want to make me want to you know share my opinions openly with everybody, although we are doing a podcast so yeah, there's I, that
0: yeah, I definitely get the sense that what we're moving towards is like you you go to a place like Berkeley and you go to an institution of higher learning and there's less of a sense of I'm going to find out what I believe by really like examining ideas and examining evidence and having like robust debates and stuff like that. There's more a sense of like, I am going to learn what to think. People are just going to sort of tell me the right views um, that the good people hold. And I will really never hear them questioned. And it's going to, I think it's becoming more and more rare for people to be exposed to um, at least sophisticated counterarguments. like you're always going to have the donald trump's of the world and you're going to hear the the really bad uh yeah. <laughs> the b- bad sort of versions of counterarguments to like liberal ideas um but you you yeah a lot of the more sophisticated counter-arguments you're not going to get to hear and so like you will sort of yeah just interpret yeah, somebody might have quite a uh, a minor disagreement with you, and you will just be so, almost so surprised to hear somebody go against um, go against the consensus or mm-hmm. sort of challenge you on something that you'll sort of just instantly have this negative reaction of like how this person said this, and therefore they must be almost yeah like the um, yeah. like the tweet we were talking about on Monday where it's like oh you, you disagree with me on one thing I now. Sort of just put put you in this bad person box, uh, and don't even believe you if you say you do agree with me on 90% of stuff. So yeah, I think like that is the point. It's it's not that like you can't create workplaces and decide what people can and can't say. The point is that yeah, it's not good. (laughs) It's not good for us to do this. Like we're we're going in a bad direction with this stuff.
1: Yeah, and especially as institutions of higher education, right, that just seems just like emphatically against Mm. everything that institutions like that stand for, right? The the idea is to sort of engage in open debates and explore ideas together and maybe make mistakes, but then be able to come out of it, you know, being able to think critically about things, Mm. right? Being able to challenge opinions and Mm. Challenge and, and if you're not building those skills, I mean, I, I think that's just a huge disservice. Well, I want like,
0: yeah. So, I mean, I guess institutions of higher learning have a lot of purposes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but I think a lo- more and more uh, people are involved in these institutions that sort of see their purpose as being like promoting social justice. Right. Promoting um, mobility for historically underrepresented groups and stuff like that, and and the the idea of them being there to educate people or to be production produce knowledge um, is uh, yeah, it's not as central I think in a lot of people's worldview. But I don't know. Now I'm just yeah. But even
1: even if that's true, mm-hmm. right? let's assume that's true. That people are just trying to do social justice and promote mm. um, sort of you know like bring up the people who are at the bottom, essentially, Mm. right? I mean, the reason my research and even just like everything else I've done focuses on education is because I think a good education is really the way to do it, right? Mm. The way to really sort of bring people up is to give them a good education, give them the tools to be able to think for themselves, right? Mm. Like that's, I think, is really the purpose of education. Mm. It's not to tell them what to think, it's to tell them how to think, Mm. right? And if we're not doing that... Yeah. I think we're failing people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I I sense that in you. And I think we, both of us have this philosophy background and had this, like, I think really from, it was really positive for me. I think you've expressed that it was really positive for you to be educated in in philosophy and to have that experience yeah. of oh definitely just this total like freedom to debate freedom to like play around with ideas uh ca- argument counter argument like uh, fallacies what you know what makes a mm-hmm. good argument what makes a strong argument and stuff like that and, yeah. and that's I mean, that's not part of everybody's education. Um, in...
1: It's not, uh, Yeah, so I took this one course, which still to this day is probably my favorite course. That I, one of the most helpful courses I've ever taken in my college career it was this course called Logic mm. and Critical Thinking. Um, and I, it was a community college, which I absolutely loved. It was a fantastic class. It was one of the courses where I literally felt like my brain was expanding. I don't. You, I know you don't believe in that stuff, but I do think mm. I got way smarter from just being able to... Because it does give you a new perspective like when you can sort of when you're like, oh, this is how an argument works. There's premises and there's conclusions, and you have mm. to like follow this thread to make mm. sure is it valid, Is it sound. Mm. Um, I think those are really valuable skills to have. Yeah. And along the same lines, I mean, I took the same another course with the same professor, absolutely brilliant, Dennis Holden, one of the best professors I've ever had at American River College in Sacramento. Um, we took we had this philosophy of religion course and it was, they're very, these are very contentious topic and the community college I went to had this like huge Christian population. Mm -hmm. And he, the way he just navigated that course and the way he sort of allowed us to just discuss the actual ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And put like these arguments forth instead of letting it become this like ideological or sort of contentious, you know, um, debates. I thought that was great. And we need to do more of that. But I think I saw on Twitter, somebody else mentioning that more and more professors are sort of just like, Cleaning their lecture, you know, their courses of any sort Mm. of controversial topics because they don't want to, Mm. you you know, end up in a situation where they're, you know, again, maybe students are feeling unsafe by having these conversations.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's a that's such a you know that's that's not okay. Well, it depends who the professors are because, like,
0: I taught stats last semester with a professor who because they have a certain set of views that are the, the views that are welcome is putting more and more politics in like, and so there, and it, it, to me, it was a little bit funny because they were teaching statistics (laughs) and they were just finding ways to just like put all these, Mm. like I, you know, to me a bit virtue signal ish, um, Mm. like identity politics, um, signifiers in there. Like he kind of just talked about how, um, in the first lecture, it's really important to remember that a lot of this stuff was created by white males you know and it's really important to like always have that in our minds as we're studying this stuff and i was just sitting there and i was like is it is it really like i mean okay so we're going to then teach linear regression and how to like <laughs> the, what a correlation <laughs> is and that correlation is not causation and 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 stuff like that and
1: and have in the back of our well, mind but, oh like I...
0: yeah like i don't, why why is it important to like and in some ways that's, it's a weird, I mean, what, I think what another of the.
1: But What does that even mean? Like, what do they want you to keep in the back of their mind? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. I How think you said that like, you, said, like, like, you know, that.
0: now, because now, um, you, these things are opening up to other groups. So they're going to bring in like valuable perspectives that, but I, I just like what this is, this is like stats. This is, this is maths. This is like, we're not going to. Maths doesn't work differently for Hawaiians, Different, or, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like this is right, and like a lot of the people, you know, that like you know, Galton, you know, very, like they had a lot of questionable right. ideas about eugenics and stuff like that. A lot of these people, but mm-hmm. like that doesn't, you know, where when we teach regression, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't teach about Galton. Like we, like there was if he hadn't have mentioned that nobody, it never came into the course at all who invented this stuff. So like, it it just wasn't clear to me why to make that statement, unless you just are trying to send a signal to, you know, the 5% of students in class who are are, are strongly political uh, and want to hear that kind of stuff from their teachers. I don't know. I just thought it was, it was weird. And and
1: that is super weird. And I also think that's slightly dangerous, right? Because, it almost sounds like then you're almost egging people to be like oh a white man created it so i'm not going to buy it right, right, you know right. or that yeah. yeah like like medicine was also probably created by a white man right yeah. or like you name it right penicillin was created by a white man or, that doesn't
0: like let's say you're a black student and you're not doing well in this class right do you then say oh well the reason is well this was created by white people So, like, my brain just sort of works in a different way. Like, this is why I couldn't get this R code to work. It's like... this.
1: Couldn't you say that about the whole education system, then? Yeah. What,
0: what, like, right? Like. Well, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I should... Like, we're good friends, me, in this lecture. I should ask him, like, what are you actually trying to accomplish by telling people that? Because in some ways, it could be like, if I'm a black student in that class, I don't want to hear that. Like, don't remind me that, like, white people made all this stuff. Yeah. Like, how... you know, like
1: how is that adding value to the course? Yeah, right, would be my question.
0: Just, just this, like re- reminders, constant reminders that like of these historical injustices or this historical inequality between our groups. It's like no, just like teach me the materials. I like.
1: Yeah, and I and and yeah, like you, you, what you should really be focusing on in a classroom. The only identity I think that really, and I think people can disagree that should matter in a classroom is that you're a student right you're a student this person's a student all of you are a student we're all students right we're all here to learn yeah. what does it matter if you're black or white and i and i Female. feel like that but by highlighting these things in this context like i don't think it's helping the people who are marginalized like it's not been good for me well, a, again like i think yeah. i told you you were know, probably really. one of the first people who kept calling me like a woman of color <laughs> i actually it's it's not been good though like i I now, like in my head, I'm always thinking, "Oh, is that what people are thinking?" Mm-hmm. Because it does make me feel like, "Oh, people are not going to openly criticize me or be able to, you know, be open, you know, have conversations with me," uh, because they might worry that I'll be offended if they ask me how to say my name, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'll, I'll I had somebody tell me,
0: Don't worry.
1: <laughs> but you can also, yeah, I get... you can, but you know, again, I-, I would like to be able to talk to other people. <laughs>
0: i have yeah. no idea why on earth you would need to do that but um each to their own
1: <laughs> yeah um okay so yeah. is there anything else that well, we're
0: way over we're way over our, yeah. our allotted time so mm-hmm. we should yeah. we should wrap it up i mean it, when i listen to it back It's probably going to be a lot of stuff we spent too much time on that, uh, didn't require that much time. And I probably didn't say a lot of stuff that I would have said, but that's always going to be the case with these things. So
1: that's true. Hopefully we, I mean, I don't think this conversation is going away anytime soon. So we'll probably,
0: yeah, we just do a weekly podcast about this stuff, which is, I mean, it's weird because I do, I am a bit addicted to listening to people on podcasts, talk about this kind of stuff at the moment. Um, sometimes like I, just can't hear it anymore. I've uh, been
1: listening to a lot more of such podcasts, too, and now I'm like, maybe I'm getting brainwashed. I'm like, I need to listen to some counter arguments Highly that are recommend. Um,
0: There was a podcast. Uh, Wesley Yang was on the Reason interview podcast with Nick Gillespie, uh, mm-hmm. and I think he is incredibly smart. Also, uh, Yasha Monk um, has just started this organization called persuasion and they they're putting out a pod and the first ever pod came out today that that i thought was very good too
1: but they're not on the other side like they're not against the harper's letter right no that no yasha monk was Amon a signatory is, of the right. harper's letter yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i'm i'm talking like i need to listen to more people who are re- like well you know are making reasonable making arguments, good arguments against, the against the letter. Le-
0: yeah. yeah yeah so
1: yeah or against i guess f- ideas of free speech um, yeah which is which,
0: why we should talk to uh talk to steven
1: yeah we should yeah yeah let's see if we can make that happen all right cool always nice talking to you paul um yeah have fun and we won't be meeting next week no
0: we i guess we're gonna yeah
1: so you're going to take yeah a break. have a and I've good time and i've promised
0: my wife that i won't be engaging in the culture war <laughs> while we're in palm springs yeah you should like
1: delete that. twitter and stuff from your phone yeah
0: actually have it's, God, it's not on my I, I it's not on my phone twitter
1: um, yeah i never had it on my phone i'm like i'm not getting sucked into i'm telling this. you you
0: need to put it on your phone and you need no. to be promoting our part yeah. every day
1: see this is i like this this is a conversation this is we can have debates we should probably have you know people on that do have like very opposing views mm. but that would be fun for me but mm. just sort of engaging with random strangers on the internet i'm just like it's not yeah. my cup of tea
0: A stranger's just a friend you haven't met <laughs> who on twitter a stranger is just an potential enemy you haven't met i guess or yeah. a canceler <laughs> or a harasser but
1: um yeah no i think that kind of stuff just takes so much out of your mental you know energy like um, I, yeah I, I don't have time for that okay well but more power to people who do
0: yeah i'm gonna try to start promoting this podcast a little bit but i also like you know if nobody listens to it we can't get canceled so that's <laughs> that's, that's kind of okay I mean, we too still- we just get to talk through ideas once a week and yeah no harm no foul
1: yeah that's yeah exactly i agree
0: all right well cool uh yes lovely to speak to you and i will talk to you in two weeks
1: two weeks sound good cool. all right take care Paul.